Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Oh, it's very welcome this morning. I'm so pleased to be here. It's a privilege to speak to you this morning. Um, <clears throat> I just think before we start, I'd like to pray. Thank you, Father, that you've given us a handbook for life, your word. And today I pray that this word would be opened up to our ears, our eyes, our heart, and that we would see keys of victory, keys to give us victorious living. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Um, I wonder if you've heard this concept of all in a day. That's the title of my message today, all in a day. I'm sure you have in this country the, the weather can be all in a day. You can start off with a sunny morning to turn to rain, snow, hail, wind, and all the way back to sun again. And um, you've learned, all of you, how to deal with that kind of weather, haven't you? All in a day kind of weather. I walk into our secretary's office and there's a jumper hanging on the back of the door in her office. There's an there's a umbrella in your handbag, one in the boot and an extra coat. We've learned how to cope with all in a day kind of weather. But in life we have all in a day as well. And today I want to focus in on how do we deal with loss, trauma and tragedy? I believe that the Bible gives us tools and keys and equips us on how to deal with loss, trauma, and tragedy. It comes in so many shapes and forms. It can be the death of a loved one. It can be a broken relationship, a loss of a job. Perhaps you didn't get those grades that, so you don't get into uni. It can be theft. It can be something that's a physical loss of health. Even the pandemic has affected every single one of us with trauma, loss, and tragedy. It comes in the form of when we have a change in our lives, a different season. It can be that empty nest time, perhaps retirement, or you've had to downsize a house. We've all experienced loss, trauma, and tragedy. The disciples, men and women both alike, they also experienced this loss, trauma, and tragedy. Think about it, especially the last part of Jesus' life here on the earth, the brutal betrayal that he faced, the terrible crucifixion, the abuse, and as they stood there, the experiences of what they saw where the sky went dark, there was earthquakes, people were actually coming to life that had been buried. They were dealing with their own betrayal, guilt, running away from Jesus. Their best friend that they had traveled with for three years, the one they absolutely loved, had become part of the family to them. Their teacher, the one they treasured, had died. They had experienced loss, trauma, and tragedy. 
But I believe their experiences are something that we can learn from today. We can learn from the way that they dealt with it and how we can use the word of God and we can be victory, victorious over lost trauma and tragedy. I'm going to start off by reading John. Most of what I'm going to talk about today is from John 20, 1 to 23. So if you've got some homework, you can go and read that this afternoon or through your week. But John 20, 1, 2, and 11 says, Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. And while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb, she ran and she came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. But Mary stood outside by the tomb, and she was weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down, and she looked at the empty tomb. So it's been a rough time for all of them. But Mary Magdalene was up bright and early. You may ask, why was she up so early? Could she not sleep? Was she tossing and turning, thinking about what had happened to her Lord, to Jesus? Could she perhaps not wait to get to the tomb to see the Lord? Had she been up early preparing those spices that she was going to anoint him with? Had she thought to herself, I'll get up early, I'll stand up and get up and I'll face the day head on. But when she arrives at the tomb, it's empty. She stoops down. And she weeps. When loss, trauma, and tragedy marches into our lives unannounced, how do we respond? On the first day, perhaps sleep has evaded you. You've rolled around on your bed sleepless because of what has happened, or perhaps because of what will happen in the future. Do you find yourself that you, like Mary, are up bright and early? You say, okay, I'm going to take on the day. I can, I can do this. You prepare yourself physically for the day. But as you get up, you realize there is an empty tomb inside of you. Or maybe your own home has become this empty tomb. Muscle memory gets you to the kitchen and you put out the extra cup for the person that actually is no longer there. Perhaps you drive past the home that you used to live in, forgetting this is not the way to go home. Perhaps you're still getting up bright and early for that job that you were retired from or given notice from. There is no denying that there is a void, that there is an empty. We do stoop and we do weep like Mary. But I believe Mary in her story has answers for us on how to deal with our empty. She went to look for Jesus. Her plan was to find Jesus' body. That was the first thing that she did. She said, I have to find Jesus. You may say, well, he wasn't really there for Mary. No, he wasn't there the way she expected. You and I, when we face empty, the first thing we need to do is run to Jesus. It says, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. She went to look for Jesus. We need to stop and deliberately look for him. Even when our brain is foggy and it's been bombarded from every direction, you need to deliberately look for him, anoint him with your worship 
and spend time with him. Read the word of God. How much, what a better way to find Jesus. He is the word. Read it and find him in the word. Pray and express your needs to Jesus. Mary, the first thing that she did when she found empty was to look for him. In your empty, Mary, she went and she ran and looked for a Christian friend. She couldn't find Jesus. So what did she do? She said she came to Simon Peter and the other disciples and told them. And they didn't just leave her in her empty. They took her back to the tomb. They went with her to her empty place. But they went to look for Jesus. In our empty, can we go and look for a friend, a Christian friend? This is why it's so important for us to find Christian friends, to belong to connect groups, so that when you have an empty, you have somebody to go to. It's no good trying to find that person when you're on empty. Find them now. And these people that you find, make sure that they're not just sympathetic to where you're at, but they take you to your empty and look for Jesus. Romans tells us this, be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor for one another. Take a consistent interest in the needs of those God's beloved people and respond by helping them and eagerly welcome people as your guests into your home. Celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. So Mary, in her empty, she went to look for Jesus. And then she went to look for a Christian friend to take her to Jesus. In her empty, she also remembered the word of God. Mary was actually at the tomb, and two angels challenged her. And they said to her, remember the words of Jesus. To look away from our emotions to the solid, dependable word of God. This is what is required. We have to take our eyes off our emotions. The angel said to her, why are you weeping? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Luke says to remember how he spoke to you. This is what the angel's saying. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. In our empty, we have to remember the word of God. You see, when you're in the middle of loss, trauma, tragedy, your brain seems to be scrambled. The grief can be so overwhelming that you do weep. And you know there's nothing wrong with weeping. I didn't see in the scripture where the angels rebuked her for weeping or for Jesus telling her off for weeping. But what they do do is they help her. They help her understand that your emotions are not dependable. It's the word of God that's dependable. Our emotions are continuously fluctuating. We have to remember the word of God. It gives us that stability in our loss, trauma, and tragedy. You see, 
Like I said, you have to find a friend now. You have to find the word of God now. When things are well, when things are good and you're not on empty, this is when you need to journalize, write down what this Lord's saying to you. Read the word of God, listen to podcasts, listen to the preaching so that you've got something to go to when you're on empty. If we only focus on loss, trauma, and tragedy, we will never find life. We can't look for the living among the dead of our emotions. It's not there. We have to look for the life of Jesus in the word of God. We have to remember the word. John 6, 63 says, It is the spirit that gives us life. The flesh, the emotions, profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. It's hard, but we have to look away from the emotions and come to the dependable word of God. So in our empty, we look for Jesus. We run to a Christian who will take us to Jesus. We remember the word of God. Jesus says to Mary, he's turned to her and said, Mary, he calls her name. And she says to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken things to her. The fourth point is, that Mary listened to Jesus speaking. He called her name. Jesus called Mary by her name in a time of loss, trauma, and tragedy. But he gave her clear instructions. He said, I don't want you clinging to me because I haven't gone to my father. And I wondered in that moment is, when he said, don't cling to me, is it because she had this memory of Lazarus being raised from the dead and then him continuing walking on the earth? And Jesus saying, you can't cling to me like that because I am going to heaven. I'm going to be with my father. When we have come through loss, trauma, and tragedy, it won't be the same. We can't cling to what was. Jesus is going to give us something new. Jesus was not here for an earthly temporal kingdom. He was here to give spiritual life. And he's saying to Mary that I'm alive. And he calls them. He says, I'm going because I want to call them brethren. See that word brethren? I go to my brethren. That's the very first time it's used. He was going to his father so that he could have a family. You, me, brothers, sisters, father, mother. It was important for her not to cling. And then in that, he is making a family for us. When we go through loss, trauma, and tragedy, Jesus paid the price so we don't have to carry the grief. He's saying to you, I know you by your name. You are my sheep. You can hear my voice. I know the number of hairs on your head. But I've been there so that you can have a family. You are part of a brethren. There is life in this church, in this body. You have brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers. 
He said, if you seek me, you will find me. You think, oh, I, don't, I can't find Jesus. I can't hear him speak. If you seek him, you will find him, Jeremiah tells us. Sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. By your name. And he leads them out. Where does he lead them out of? Empty into new life. He's saying the same thing to us. Don't cling. I know you've had some loss, trauma, tragedy. A loved one can't be brought back to life. But he's going to give you life in a different way, a much more glorious way until he comes back and you meet your loved one in heaven. Don't cling to the old. He's turning your mourning into dancing. He's made an exchange, as we did this morning, with the breaking of bread. He's taken away our grief so that we can rejoice. He's an eternal God. We belong to the family of God. In Mary's empty, she looked for Jesus. She looked for a Christian who would take her to Jesus. She remembered the word of God, and she listened to Jesus speaking, knowing there was a better life ahead. What do you do in your empty? I said to you in the beginning, I called this, this message all in a day, because it started really early in the morning with Mary Magdalene, didn't it, going to the tomb. But yet by evening, all in a day, look what happened. Let's have a look at John 20, 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. All in a day, we went from Mary having a victory. She's met with Jesus. She's gone and told the disciples. And here we find them locked up in a panic room. All in a day. Hearing from God, seeing answers, getting excited in the morning, know that we've got the victory. How many of us have found ourselves there? And then by evening, we call it actually in our house, having a wobbly. You've all experienced it, I'm sure. There's a, there's a film that um, we've seen. It's called The Panic Room. I don't know if you've seen it. It's got Jodie Foster in it. And this couple buy this home, and in the middle of the home, um, it's got a panic room. And this room was built specially in case intruders came into the home. Then family could run in there and feel safe. And one day, intruders did come. But you know they weren't safe, because the intruders knew where they were. They were under more threat. They were more vulnerable. And for us to be in a panic room is not where God wants us to be. He doesn't want us living in panic and fear. He wants us to escape the panic room. Have you heard of those escape rooms? Have you, has anybody been to one and play that game? I have. I've done it twice. I did one with Gordon and Rosalind. We went to um, Manchester, and it was great fun. And I did one in Edinburgh. And for those of you who don't know what it is, it's, it's a room. It's a game. And you actually pay to do this. <laughs> you go in, and they lock you in this room for about an hour. 
and they, you, the idea is that you have to follow clues and um, codes, and you find a key. So each clue leads you to the next, and you find the key, and you come out of the room, and it's all the room is designed in a special way. This one was like a scientist's laboratory, and as soon as they lock that door, it's like panic. Everybody's trying to find a clue because we've got to get out of here in an hour, and it, it's sometimes quite difficult. And so in the corner, they have got a screen where they um, put up little clues to help you along. And the one in Manchester, we weren't so good at getting out, but we had a marvelous time. The one in Edinburgh with the family, we did. And, and it was so great, but no one wants to stay locked up in a panic room. That's not what God's plan is for us, is it? But what happens with Jesus is he walks straight in with the fear in that panic room. It, it, it didn't bother him. He, fear is not an obstacle to Jesus. The walls that they had closed around them, he walked straight through there and he brought peace to them. A locked door is not something that will keep Jesus out. He showed his hands, he showed his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord and they said to them, peace. But he didn't want them to stay in that room. And he doesn't want you staying there neither. So he gave them some keys. I want to share those with you. So it starts with John 20, 21 to 23. Jesus says to them in this panic room, As the Father sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of many, then you are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The first key that Jesus gives them in this panic room is that they need to forgive. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins, then they are retained. If you've been in any form of loss, trauma, and tragedy, there will be hurt, there will be pain, and you will need to forgive. Think about what the disciples were going through. Imagine how they felt towards those men that crucified Jesus. Imagine how they felt towards the Jews, the high priest. They must have been angry, they must have been hurt. And the first thing Jesus says to him, I need you to forgive. A key to get out of your panic room will be to forgive. I love what the message says. If you forgive someone's sins, they are gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? What are you going to do with that? It's going to create bitterness inside you, isn't it? It's going to build up and be a stronghold and hold you in that panic room. Is it worth holding unforgiveness? You know, there was a farmer. <clears throat> he really hated his donkey. And he thought, I don't know how to get rid of him. I don't really want to kill him, so I'll just throw abuse at him and hurt him. And So he, threw, he made a big hole in his field, and he threw this donkey in. And he said, I think what I'll do is I'll bury him. So he took a shovel and he kept putting dirt on top of this donkey. And the donkey shook it off. 
and stood on top of it. And each time the farmer threw more soil on him, he shook it off and he stood on top of it. And this is a lesson for us. You need to shake it off and stand on top of it and shake it off until you stand on the top level ground and you walk out of that panic room. You must not allow unforgiveness to hold you. The key to your escape room is to forgive because it frees you. John 20, verse 22, his second key that Jesus gives to the disciples. And when he has said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The key to getting out of your panic room is to let Jesus breathe on you. You think back in the very beginning when man was created. How was he created? From the dust. And God breathed into his nostrils and he became a living being. Imagine the day. I don't know if anybody's really imagined it. Adam was lifeless, wasn't he? So he picked him up by his head off the ground. And he gets so close. And he breathed into his nostrils. And what was the first face that Adam saw? was God's face. And he became a living soul. And now, Jesus is saying, you need to breathe in the Holy Spirit. He, he's saying that in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, the first Adam became a living being, but the last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit. When you are facing loss, trauma, and tragedy, and you're in a panic room, you need to get up in Jesus' face and say, breathe on me. Let him bring you back to life. Allow Jesus' life to fill you. His life will enable you. That breath of God will enable you to take that key and escape the panic room. You see, you know, there, there is no time limit on this. When we were in the escape room, there was an hour. But during that hour, the, the flashing screen kept coming up, and there's a little clue here and there to get you out. Our lives are filled with Holy Spirit clues. And this is one of them. And he's saying, here's a clue. And you have a Christian friend. Here's a clue. Come on. Come this way. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Lead me in your word. What's the right step now? There's no time limit, but make sure you're on the way out and that you haven't decided to live in your panic room. So the first key to the panic room is forgive. The second key is breathe in the Spirit of God. And the third key, Jesus tells them, in John 20, verse 23, says, in 21, sorry, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. He's saying, I want you to go. The third key is to go. The disciples had a commission to go into all the world. 
They were commissioned to tell the good news of how they overcame empty. Jesus gave them the keys to the panic room to turn it into an escape room. And Jesus is saying the same to us. I'm sending you. You need to go. And if I'm sending you, that means I've got your back. So you don't need to be afraid. You can actually be bold. He wouldn't tell us to go if he's not going to be there for us. We have a commission to tell the world that he has set us free out of this panic of loss, trauma, and tragedy. Why? Because our world sits in a panic room. They need to hear how you got out. We have to shake it off, shake it off the fear. Our world needs to hear our freedom story because that's where they are. They're in a panic room or on empty. You know, when we did escape the panic room <laughs> in um, Edinburgh with the family, the first person to say, I got the key, it was like everyone had to grab the key and put it in the door. It was like a mad scramble to get it in the door. And then when we got through the door, there was so much excitement. On the other side, there was people, they were taking your photos, they just wanted to hear how you got through the clues, and they threw it up on social media, and then we got home that night, and we were having supper, and everyone's talking, did you hear how we did this, and we did that, and we got out of the escape room. How are we going to be? We need to get out of the escape room. A.W. Tyler says this, a scared world needs to have fearless church. A scared world needs a fearless church. So, all in a day, we can go all in a day from victory to panic room and come out again. But I want to challenge you today. Where, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're in the morning or if you're in the evening. But my challenge today is to have a look again at this list. Will you look for Jesus? Would you run to a Christian friend who would take you to Jesus? Would you remember the word of God? Would you listen to Jesus speaking? Would you forgive and shake it off? Would you ask Jesus to send his spirit to breathe on you? Would you go and tell your story? I'm going to ask you to stand and our band is going to come and worship. So if you'd stand with me, and I want to keep this list up on the screen. And so I said earlier, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're in the morning, or if you're actually having a victory, or if you're in the evening. But take a look at that list. And where is the Holy Spirit nudging you? and saying to you, that's, that's the key for me. Or maybe it's quite a few of them. That's the key I'm going to take and I'm going to use this week. This Bible is not just a book of pages. This is a book, a handbook for life, for victorious living. And Jesus needs you to tell someone else how you did it.